Hello folks, this is the Super Friends Super Show where we talk about superhero movie news, comic books, things relating to those things. I'm Sean Dwyer, joined with me today is my super friend Adam Patterson. Adam, how are you? Hello, family. Yes, Adam, we are seeing each other two days in a row. Indeed, indeed, sir. I'm I'm getting a little sick, but I think it's the stomach bug, <laughs> it not is. you. We went to see a dinner move, uh, dinner murder mystery last night. It, it, it was a fully interactive experience. There, it was a whodunit. Died. Someone died there. Mm-hmm. Um, someone. There was a lot of theories. We went and we had a delicious meal. There was a murder. There mm-hmm. were actors placed at certain tables. About say about five, 50, 60 people. 58 people. And we had to figure out who the crime. And the wives figured it out before us. The wives figured it out before us. Good on them. So this is two days in a row. We are back once again to talk about the superheroes and the things related to the superheroes in the 178 issue number numbering grand numbering that we've uh, collected here i can't believe we've had this many episodes and oh, it's all made up it's just like you know the points on and we've not transcended anyway. i feel like our opening we should have. be bigger and just explosions every 178 it's uh very, this this opening probably sounds very similar to uh, issue uh 23 so uh we have yet to evolve but we, we got to get a new producer that's the issue that is the issue but a lot of things happening this past week obviously we are very very close to comic-con season at this point this we are in e3 is this week um all the big announcements are coming out you have a big movie in the theater of course that is x-men dark phoenix we're going to be talking about how that's performing Mm -hmm. of course another uh another strange report coming out from dc this is relating to their their streaming service their dc universe streaming service the Swamp Thing series. Information on that, of course. We're going to get into what's going on with that. Uh, not all good news, but we'll talk about that. And Fantastic Four, if you are sick of Fantastic Four, seeing them in the theaters... You're not alone. You're not alone, and uh, you might have more to see in the future if this report is to be believed. Batman and the Ninja Turtles, that is the team-up that you've always wanted to see, Adam. You've been talking about that You'd better believe it. I that- mean, I want all of the 90s just to team up. I would, I would love... I would love some grand gala. I'm thinking like Mario style. What was yes. that? Super Mario Smash big Brothers. Super, yes. Super Smash Brothers. You want a big all of you, right. but you get to collect the, the rosters. And right. you might have Mr. Food from from television. Ooh, also, that anyone is only relevant to Western New York. <laughs> That's right. You get to pick the roster. It doesn't matter. Uh, Irv Weinstein in there. Western New York. Western yeah. New York. Completely <laughs> just tailored. You should be able to, to tailor make your own Super Smash Smash Brothers nostalgic property smash up. I think I think we should do this and we should start it. Um, copyright 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, we should do this only for political figures. Yes. And I, guarantee you it would make a billion dollars first weekend if we if we yeah can you license who's uh who's currently got the licensing properties for the presidents well they are public figures Uh, interesting so technically they're not like it's it's just like if i were to say i'm gonna xerox something or i'm gonna google something they have lost their trademark copyright because Mm. they are in the public sphere now yeah um i'm sure trump would sue you because that's how you're putting using his likeness in and beating him up exactly with the american flag stabbing it right through his right. his kneecap I mean, could, could you imagine like this would be an amazing game and i'm sure you'd get a lot more i'm sure the billion dollars would be spent just mm-hmm. on lawyers lawsuits and stuff but could you imagine just having like 
I think it'd be interesting enough just using the classic presidents. You don't oh, need you any go. of the modern presidents and you're worrying about, you know, le- legal uh, ramifications, who's in the public domain, who's not. Just get the classics. I'd like to have Andrew Jackson and crazy. Uh, there you go. What was what was his nickname? Crazy uh, Oakwood uh, Wickerstick. <laughs> he would go and he would challenge people to to duels. Yeah, it was something weird. It was like it was, he was like a long cr- oak. Long Oak, it was something like that. Yeah, Wicker, Wickerwood or something, and he was just a crazy. He would just hit people with just sticks, and he mm-hmm. challenged you to duels, and he was just a nuts. Taft, I oh, think, would yeah. be formidable. There you go. There you go. I, I would. I would like to see. Um, I'd like to see Roosevelt. Roosevelt. Teddy, Teddy. not FDR. Yes. Yes. Right? Although, although if FDR, you know, maybe maybe you could do like a a, a power up version mm-hmm. of FDR. Because otherwise he'd just win a debate, but I don't know if he'd win a physical fight. I guess the question is how how much do you embellish their their powers, their superpowers, to make it a fighting game, or do you make it as gritty as possible? No weapons. Oh, I you, like that. Real physics, and, and only only the weapons of their time period. That's right. That's right. Right. So <laughs> interesting. We'll have, to, we'll have to write this down. But Copyright. Super Friends Super Show, uh, obviously Batman, Super Batman, and Batman Super. It just rolls off the tongue. Batman Ninja Turtles. They released a straight to DVD VHS release this week, and we want yeah, to talk about VHS that. VHS doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Not, well, you know, it's on oh, Betamax, you know, Betamax or, or um or LaserDisc in your own Super Smash Brothers yeah. nostalgic property game. You could have VHS uh, items that you could smash people over the head with. I like that. And would mm-hmm. shatter everywhere. Mm-hmm. And there is, of course, there's some rumors now with X-Men being back in the mouth of, of moviegoers everywhere. The animated creators the, from the 1990s, again, going back to the, the 90s as far as nostalgic properties, the X-Men animated series, the creators have something to say. Hey, have an update. I want I'm wanting wanting to bring back maybe their series. We'll talk about that. And the Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 3, Ghostbusters proper, uh, is moving along. Obviously, a script has been written, and certain people have come back and assigned their names to that script and have read characters and like those characters. We'll talk more about that. So all those things uh, ahead over the course of the next hour, Adam Patterson. You, I assume, since you were with me last night, and this is the opening weekend. True story. For Dark Phoenix, X-Men, the last, the prestige uh, film of this X-Men universe that has lasted close to 20 years. Starting in 2000, a a young, plucky team of of, uh, superheroes. People were not aware of the superhero genre. This predated... Well, I was going to say, Iron Man coming. This is the really, you could say that this, that is the true beginning of the modern age of superhero movies. Yeah, it was was either that or else um, Spider Man with, uh, what's his name? You can make an argument for both. Uh, you, You can make an argument that, but. It started with either this in 2000, yep. which and the movie was well received, and it got a, a well received, even better received sequel with uh, X Men Two, and that led, of course, to X Men Last Stand, which had a very similar outcome to this Dark Phoenix film. So they love to smash that third <laughs> one to bits and really underdeliver. But it this is the culmination of 20 years worth of, of shared storytelling with the X Men, owned by by Fox. And Fox, as people are, are in the know, are aware now, Fox Movie Studios, they have been purchased by Marvel, DC, or Marvel, Disney, and so they're being folded into eventually the Marvel Cinematic Universe at some point. That might be a little bit ways off, but that official changeover has not occurred yet. So Fox had the opportunity to make another 
X-Men film to tie up the entire franchise as a last swan song goodbye to these characters. And spoiler alert, I suppose, of sorts, it's not being well received. It, it's <laughs> this is twenty years worth of storytelling. Not a spoiler, and it's it, it, you have some timey wiminess as far as the continuity and the overall timeline for these X-Men characters. But by and large, these are still the characters somewhat tied into this from the 2000 first movie that was released. This is a continuation of that same timeline. You had Days of Futures Past going back and adjusting the timeline, making everyone like 10 years or several years younger, but this is a continuation of that. So you would think this is a fantastic opportunity to really tie all the loose ends make everyone happy. This is a, a final bow to make everyone happy. And it's not doing that right now on Rotten Tomatoes. It is in the sub 20 areas as far as the critical acclaim. See, and I I do not I do not Rotten. like criticals. Because, you don't like the criticals. No, I don't like the critics because I feel like the critics they they are very critical. Yes. Um, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> no, by they, name. They have expectations mm. and I think their expectations are often um, right. skewed in addition to the fact that the the judgments that they're making are not based off of mm-hmm. popular fan fiction they're based off of the idea of you know more proper ideas on how movies should be made what what the writing is how you know what does it meet the plot points does it you know so on all the technical aspects which don't necessarily lend itself to audience enjoyment Yes. Well, it's again, they look at it as a lot of critics still, I think, like to think that they are uh, critics of movies in general and they aren't fanboys. Right. Therefore, they're they're grading these superhero movies on a on a different type of scale. Is this a good movie? Not just like, oh, my God, Superman punched that guy into space. What a spectacle. Therefore, this is a fantastic film. They're still trying to look at these as far as what their merits are as movies. So but a lot of having said that. Most superhero movies do really well with the critics. This one is not. Uh, you have the clunkers, and this is a huge clunker right now. Sub twenties, yes, this, this fans aren't even liking it. It's in the rotten territory as far it's as what, the cran- sixty three. Yeah, people. But I think there still are people out there who are like, hey man, some there is some space scenes, and there is a big explosion, and, and I Sophie like these characters Turney's on it. So that's right. <laughs> therefore, uh, it's perfect. I don't understand your problem. So it, that's and that's fine. But I, I for these films, as far as you know, objectivity is concerned. I looked at the critical, the critics, uh, and their and their uh, their reviews of whether it's or fair. not they like this film. Fair. So right now it's in the sub twenties. It is having the worst X Men film opening ever, and that's in twenty years. And that is saying something. Uh, this is going into this. I'm like, people were concerned because this went back to reshoots. This was uh, often delayed. Yeah, this late film. reshoots, right? Late reshoots. The budget just continued to balloon, you know, upwards and upwards. At the end of the day, they ended up spending, and you and I were talking about this before yeah. the show, we couldn't believe in trying to put it into perspective, $200 million on this film at Which the end of the day. Which doesn't sound like a lot considering, What know, other movie, comic the, movies end up costing at the end of the day. Yeah. But you're comparing that to like an Avengers film. Right, Avengers Avengers Endgame was three hundred million. Right. So a hundred million dollars is not eh. but you also have to remember that I mean I mean think about it this way. Lord of the Rings, all three of right. them took cost a hundred million dollars by themselves, period. Yeah. Um Iron Man number one, I think their budget was what, one fifty? Yeah, one fifty, hundred over a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Uh, the the phase one Marvel to put things loosely put things in perspective, the phase one MCU films for those 
origin films they, that they uh, they put out there. Those films cost about a hundred. The budgets were about 130, 120, 150. That was somewhat of the 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 expected budget for all those those phase one MCU films. And then Avengers one, their budget was like 200 million because it's a big combination. Yeah. So about that's about 200 million, 250. And then they you know ballooned more and more as you. And went I on. guess you could argue that this is phase two of X Men because mm-hmm. it is um, days Suppose, past. Yes, it right. is. You know all that other stuff. So okay, fine. You're pushing it the up. Numbers this, go up. It's probably costing a little bit more for um, McAvoy mm-hmm. uh, amongst mm-hmm. other people, um, but. At the same time, this is the the expectation of two hundred million dollars. Right. Um, if you're I, spending that much money, you're expecting it to make a lot of money. Well, and they're they're not focusing on the team. I mean, right. it's it's one thing to say, okay, like Days of Future Past that deserved a two hundred million dollar because it was the team right. fighting it, right. versus you know you have one person or the Dark Phoenix is about the rise of Gray, and that's right. it. It is a single person fo- or it is focused on a single character. It is not. It is not something. I mean, it, it's almost like a Deadpool type mm-hmm. of X Men thing where you're focused on a single character and everybody else is supplemental. Sure. Versus sure. versus it it being a you know a together character plot of X Men. Well, I think partially. So there's there's a couple things here. I think I can't imagine that Fox Studios expected this film to do well. So therefore, spending two hundred million dollars on a film that they would assume, you know, if they had people, the marketing people in there, people who are making productions, it's asinine to spend that much money on a film that will ultimately fail and then a, a property that they're about to hand off. It's a lame duck property at this point. And the fact that they spend $200 million on a lame duck property is incredible to me. Also, these these actors, I can't imagine that they were getting hometown discounts <laughs> yeah. um, from these actors because I can't yeah. imagine they were very, uh, very enthusiastic about coming back and doing it right. This is the last one. We, we love this property. We love this series. I think Jennifer Lawrence was probably not giving them a discount for her portrayal. No, no, Michael Fass. Bender and None of them were McAvoy. I mean, they were all. You're probably seeing that with no. the MCU, though. Like with these big ensembles. Granted, you know, at the end of the day, you're spending 300 million dollars plus on these big ensembles, these big Avengers films. But I think a lot of, you know, don't quote me. I feel like a lot of the actors give them a bit of a discount. You know, you have all these characters, this huge ensemble. I'm not going to give you my my regular going rate as far as how much how much I'm expected to get paid for this property, uh, for this for this uh, this role. But I feel like that's how maybe the budget gets a, a no, little bit definitely. increased because I th- I you're know. not getting a discount. You're going it's a it's a clusterfuck. So you're not you're going and you're having to do reshoots, rewrites. So you have to go back. You have to bring everyone back, and that's how the budget just gets out of control. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Robert Dine Jr. Um, and I just blanked Chris Evans, mm-hmm. you know, um, Chris Pratt, most of them either cut their teeth right. or, or became mega or because, or, you know, reinvented themselves through this franchise. Mm-hmm. So, so they I, have a certain, like, yeah, they, they, they have, have an emotional, they have an deal. emotional, uh, right. Attachment to this property. So they're not, you know, charging their full amount. So yeah. That's that's the thing. So, and also you have the the director on this film, who this is like his first one of his first directorial um, undertakings. Simon yeah. Kinberg, who he's been very much involved in the X Men franchise over at Fox, as far as being somewhat of the Godfather, similar to Kevin Feige over at the MCU. He's kind of overseen things over at, at but, Fox. But he's, been a, writer, but he's producer, been a writer producer, and he's been a and and, and more of a mm-hmm. more of a creative consultant than like an actual a, director. Exactly. He does not have very many directorial credits to his credit. <laughs> and this, so therefore, you have a lot of factors that are coming together to make, similar to, I guess, a big 
superhero uh, climactic team up thing. You have da, a lot da, of da. different factors that are coming together where the heroes must band together to face. So that's the, this is, you know, the, the meta Dark Phoenix, which is this film. Uh, this is going to be just a, a big catastrophic tragedy, this film, having nothing to do with the story itself. But at the end of the day, this is the, the worst opening weekend for an X-Men property. And this, Sad. this includes, we were talking about this, your Deadpools, which is which did tremendously well, but it's a rated R film for a movie that they spend they spent about uh 40 million, 50 million, somewhere in the in the double digits as far as millions is concerned on Deadpool. And it did, right. it far exceeded expectations and it, it's one of their largest grossing movies, Deadpool's one and two. But this this talks about X-Men uh, the origin films, Wolverine Origins, which is not beloved in any way, which they have made fun of in Deadpool as far as uh, X-Men Origins, the Wolverine. Resetting the timelines. Resetting the timelines. <laughs> this is below all of those films. And X-Men along the way over the course of 20 years, they have not been all just stellar gold that they've turned out over the, over the course of 20 years. They've had some clunkers in there. And this is below all of the clunkers that have preceded it. So it's really incredible uh, that they put this much money into it that you had to know going in that this was going to just fall on its face. And it certainly has. As of this recording, this is Sunday now, the film is only gross, Dark Phoenix is only grossed $33 million. And I'd love to have $33 million in my bank. But I'm not <laughs> expecting, I, say, I didn't just spend $200 million. Right, exactly. Right. I mean, that's that's the trick, right? Mm-hmm. So you spend $200 million, you've made 33 So this is the worst yeah. opening for an X-Men film in, in these 20 years. The This is below... The Wolverine, as as I mentioned, and X-Men First Class, which was well-received but did not make very much money um, at the during its initial run. The Wolverine only made $55 million, and First Class made 50, uh, I'm sorry, 53, and then First Class made 55, and then X-Men Apocalypse, which preceded this one, which underperformed, made 65. So that was a cold franchise. X-Men Apocalypse, they were not happy with that opening at 65. And this one made 33. <laughs> so right. roughly half the amount of X-Men Apocalypse, which really, really shit the bed. This made half that. So this is really uh, a film that is underperformed. They're opening, you know, they opened in roughly the same amount of theaters, 3,700 theaters compared to X-Men Apocalypse's 4,100 theaters. So it it re- it's not like, oh, you know, maybe they didn't have as big of an opening because they played in fewer theaters. About the same number of theaters. So they did it just as big. But people do not care about the the X-Men uh, in with the current uh, background of being sold to Disney with everything that's happening as far as the Avengers having Endgame. That was such a cathartic experience. And people just went to the, see this grand finale, and now you're expecting them to come back to say goodbye to characters they don't care about, <laughs> right? Uh, well, and maybe and maybe that's part of it, right? Um, you know, pushing it mm-hmm. if they had pushed it or kept it earlier rather than later, mm-hmm. you know, having it so close to, I and I think that's a huge part of it, right? This is not a film I think anyone wanted to release over at Fox. There, this was doomed from the start, and they. Decided to redo. God, you have you have so many years of X Men stories to tell, and they decide to do 
a film they decided to do a story they've already done that failed just for the sake of you know we got to do it right this time that's this is well, what the fans I, and want that's, they and that's want the it to correct the wrongs of yeah. the dark phoenix saga from the first time from last sand this is what the fans want that is so tone deaf clearly well, I, yeah and I, th- I think that was the thing it was it was what the what they thought the fans wanted right. more than anything and i right. think I think the big takeaway is is story, 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 and not mm-hmm. not just story, or not just a you know, hey, let's give a big payoff for you know. I mean, Sophie Turner is great, but she's a, this is also a brand new character. You can't right. end. A, you just got you to know her. End in the a last franchise film. on a new character, right? Exactly. You can't do that. You need to. You need to. If this if this franchise had ended on. Um, Days and of Xavier future past. Yeah. was that Days of Future Past? Yeah, exactly. Because because you're invested in mm-hmm. the characters for X amount of movies, you know. Right. You just you know the the first class cast that they that they uh, just started a few years ago after they rebooted Days of Futures Past. Right. And this is your new generation, you know, with uh, Star Trek: the New Generation. They've passed the baton. People, I don't think, have have really gravitated to these characters as being the quintessential X-Men. I think people have not accepted them as being the X-Men. They still, I think, have a lot of reverence and nostalgia for the original X-Men characters. But Hugh Jackman is done. Uh, you have right. Patrick Stewart is done. Uh, you know, uh, Ian, Sir Ian McKellen is, is finished. So you have a lot of characters that have moved on and they have not. People have not... Uh, by and large accepted this new first class right. as their cast of X-Men. So it's not a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of good will towards these characters at all. And you just had a big Which finale with, with the Avengers just recently. So there's a lot of, a lot of factors that have led to this film really underperforming at the box office. People don't care, but you know, the last thing is you did dark Phoenix. You could do any other story. <laughs> And the fact that you decided to redo a story again is just the the cherry on top um, of this shit Sunday as far as, you know, why you decided of all things to not only people don't care about this, but to tell a story that people have already seen. It, this fails on all level. And you have actors who are just played out at this point. They have no interest. Jennifer Lawrence, I'm sure, does not care about right. playing the mystique character any longer. Characters that are physically, you can tell, have are done with this franchise. So it's really sad for the X-Men. Where do they go from here? You now have to, because now you have this, this, uh, this go to a reboot. They, right. But this hurts the reboot. Uh, oh, absolutely. Idea, because now people are like, Oh, this, they have this bad taste in their mouth from this movie that is underperforming, just grandly underperforming. And obviously Disney's going to reboot this, but this is now, and this is a more difficult undertaking because now you have to somewhat, uh, correct the the bad film that was just released that they ended the the series on. So they have more of an undertaking over at Disney when they choose eventually in five years time. Kevin Feige has said over the MCU when they would look into rebooting this this mm-hmm. these X Men now that they're gonna own the characters. It's they have less. You know you want to that that old saying leave things better than the way you found them. Would you say that Fox has done that? No. <laughs> they have not left things better now that they're moving out. Um, you have a lot of uh, structural damage uh, in the house now that Disney has moved in. A lot of walls to repair. you got to redo the kitchen. You have a lot <laughs> of things uh, obviously left on the table now. And uh, just segueing really close, uh, another franchise that the MCU is they're inheriting over Disney, the Fantastic Four. 
And granted, they had a very similar outing with their last movie that they did a couple of years ago, Vans Forstick, uh, with the weird branding as right? far as how they spelt, spelt it. Uh, that was obviously one of the worst movies that has been released in recent memory, the Fantastic Four reboot. It was a one-and-done reboot. And yeah, that was that was weird. But man. time heals all wounds, though, I think, because that happened years ago. There's been <laughs> So the rumor now is that Peyton Reed, the director for, of the, the recent Ant-Man films over at the MCU, he is attached to making a Fantastic Four reboot that right now, if rumors are to be believed, 2022 is when you might be getting a rumored Fantastic Four film. Okay. And 2022 is 2019, three years away. Uh, is it too... Are people... <laughs> what do you well, do? Well, I say the problem is, is that, I mean, yeah, the movie is going to be released in three years, so is yeah. that enough time? But it's not... <laughs> it's not three years. They're going to yeah. start marketing this right. thing, you know, a year from now. Mm-hmm. So that means that we're going to get a lot of information for two years straight or, you know, a year from now, which is... Uh, I I, I had such high hopes for the other one because I love Fantastic Four. Right with uh, Josh Trank. Yeah, yeah, he did um, the the uh, the Akira. Uh, the, the name of the film escapes me. He was he involved in in the Akira. Yep. Um, what was it called? Legacy or something to that effect. Um, he he did a really nice job um, with with past films that he's been a part of. But this one, obviously, Josh Trank. I think there were a lot of issues with. Uh, meddling with the studio, creative differences. Yeah, I, I really doubt to... it had anything to do with acting or story. No, I think, he, I think they had a great purely, cast. I think it was purely Miles logistics Teller, of Michael B. Jordan yeah. was in it, and yeah. logistics. great people. Yeah, I think they had a very small budget, and it's unfortunate. But I think people, because the movie was such a, a stinker right out of the box, and I think the expectations were so low for Fantastic Four, I think people would welcome a brand new, fresh Fantastic Four done by the MCU in three, four years time. So I think maybe that is the right time to do it. Uh, Peyton Reed uh, from Ant-Man man is maybe the right director. And right now at this point, there is the interest, his pitch, if it is to be believed is to set this in the 1960s. Ooh. Okay. So an MCU film in the 1960s and because of Avengers Endgame introducing the idea of a multiverse in theory okay. different parallel earths maybe they could have this be I don't know if you could set it back in the 1960s proper of of the 616 uh, to use the kind of taken comic book terms of the MCU timeline that we know or if it's in one of those parallel dimensions and they find their way into the modern day MCU, mm-hmm. or if it's in the they're actual in the in the main timeline MCU's real 1960s, or if there's any type of parallel Earth, multiple multiple dimensions, freezings or time travel. Yeah. yeah, you wonder. So maybe they, but people I think would know about the Fantastic Four if they took place if they existed in the 1960s in this universe because I feel like this universe has been, especially especially the 60s. I think with Howard Stark, Tony right. Stark's father, they kind right. of Agent Carter style. Yeah, so if they the Fantastic Four existed in this timeline in the 60s, I think you would have I think it'd be tough to to kind of shoehorn them in. I think that's why you use a multiverse. Interesting. I yeah. think you have to use maybe a multiverse and then bring them into modern day. Then multiverse or another timeline's 1960s. Mm-hmm. And so you could do that. I think it's a wonky type of I think if if Captain Marvel has shown us anything people love period pieces um <laughs> there's there's a big difference on that or there's a caveat on that one i should say people love period pieces the 90s people love the 90s i think that's what helped that film so much captain marvel 
But that's but that's playing to the audience. The audience grew up in the nineties. Yeah, like, yeah. Sixties nostalgia. It's still yeah. That's you're right. not you're not getting you're not getting like the same grandmas right. and grandpas coming out. I mean, the sixties. The people that were alive in the sixties, mm-hmm. right? Those those people are seventy years old right. or so. Or you so. just got to be very smart and. Fantastic Four is going to be your first foray into, okay, how do we take these Fox properties and make them make sense in the grand narrative that we told over at the MCU? Like, you've got, if if suddenly just mutants start showing up and they've been hiding, like, how do you (laughs) introduce, like, you already have super people with superpowers and now you have, like, a whole entire fleet of mutants and Fantastic Four showing up. And they've just been in hiding for a while. It's tough to introduce these these other characters into it. But I understand they I haven't seen Dark Phoenix yet, but I understand that they maybe did sow some of the seeds. They did plant some of the seeds rather for a Avengers versus X-Men story. Ooh. So there people I think maybe would accept that because the Avengers X-Men comic book event they did in 2012 or whatever did really, really well. There's a mm-hmm. lot of interest. So maybe there is cash to be made from some somehow hotshotting an Avengers X-Men movie type of uh, rivalry yeah. out, out of the box. No, I, I could see that. I I just, I really, I have not seen Dark Phoenix mm-hmm. either. This is pure speculation. <laughs> I just, I just know that. It's tough. I, fe- I feel like X-Men 3 did the exact same thing that Dark Phoenix did, which was they had... They littered it with names, uh-huh. and I don't know if they littered it with. You thought as far as the casting, yeah, yeah. They just had a very large ensemble, yeah. That it was movie, too big, yeah. But I had I had really really lofty expectations for Last Stand, X Men Three, the original one. Yep. I'm like, this is gonna. Be, I saw the trailer. This is gonna be the greatest movie ever. This is following up on X Two, which people loved. Mm-hmm. And they're doing the Dark Phoenix storyline at that point for the first time. Right. <laughs> and I wasn't really into comics that much, but you'd heard about this Dark Phoenix storyline. You, If you were a fan of the of the X-Men animated series, mm-hmm. you've seen them cover it. You've seen these iconic comic book covers that have been done. So you're right. aware of it. And it was that one was just a horrible, horrible film, a, a really sad uh, movie, which led them to have to sort of re- calibrate things as far as the yeah. direction the x-men were going at that point and now we're here and you know it's it's a sad end for really a series that predated the mcu right that that really set the table for the mcu to be successful and now at the end of the day this is the last film i have no interest in seeing it at all uh, <laughs> i i really didn't like x that's another thing too x-men apocalypse was such a bore did you see it yeah no that that annoyed me and i it is it's i think it was because you didn't have i didn't empathize with the villain no apocalypse was so bad yeah and I think, oscar isaac is a great actor but yeah it's, it's purely yeah it's purely is either writing or editing or storing mm-hmm. i don't know who who necessarily made the decisions but there were just some things that i was just like well but that a lot of it just didn't make sense. It was very nope. disappointing. Yeah, that so obviously that worked into people not being interested in going back for another Avengers or another X-Men film because again, Apocalypse is really bad. Right. And so that was really and so that goes into me who's a X-Men fan. I wouldn't want to go back and, and get beat up for two <laughs> hours again. I just got beat up for although X-Men um Apocalypse it, it was almost a good film. I think it was almost a good film. It had potential. It, it had fun. potential. It just, the villain just did not work. Yeah. There was the, there was the rumors that they were going for this last 
X-Men film in a Mr. Sinister direction. Ooh, that would And Brian Cranston was being rumored <gasps> to be Mr. Sinister, and that okay. was going to be the finale. Okay. And they want Dark Phoenix instead. And there was even the rumor, did you hear about this? That they, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going into my Jay Leno. Did you hear about this? Uh, <laughs> they had to refilm the entire ending of Dark Phoenix because it was yeah, too that. close to a, yeah. another superhero movie, and they didn't realize it when they originally wrote it. So they had to redo the ending. So yeah. that couldn't have been cheap. I guess maybe it was set in space and people are saying, oh, well, the movie they're talking about is Captain Marvel because she did that scene in space yeah. at the end of Captain Marvel. So, but I don't know if it, it, apparently it was a movie that took place a while ago. I don't know if it was, if they copied Captain Marvel and didn't realize it, but that, what a, we're going to be talking about this in history books 50 years from now <laughs> about yeah. how bad this film was, I think. And it's a sad send off well, of these probably, characters. I would say probably, probably not how bad it was, but it'll, it'll definitely be one of those like, It'll be an earmark because mm-hmm. again, you have, you know, the franchise, right? Now right. that's that's everybody. That's what everybody talks about. That's what everybody does. You know, I mean, look at, I mean, the horror genre. Mm-hmm. You you now have them saying, okay, well, let's take the shared universe and do that. That's why you have Conjuring Two. That's why you have Annabelle and so on and so forth. And I feel like, um, it, it's it's a concept that works really well with people because they want a continuation of the story at all times or, or mm-hmm. more depth on, it, especially if it's a good story. And, and when you have something that doesn't align with the way it's, it's, it's a, it's a slippery slope. They have expectations versus how it's, it's a mess. Yeah, definitely a mess. So it's, it's, it's really going to need to cool um, the X-Men Time is going to need to to heal those wounds. Mm-hmm. And maybe in 2025, when the waft of Dark Phoenix is, is somewhat dissipated, that then at that point, the MCU will decide to bring back these characters. But you, it's such a heavy haul because you have so many. How do you do you bring them back all at one time? Do you bring back Wolverine first? Do you bring just Professor X in first? And he, from there, starts the X-Men. But it's really a journey starting with Professor X. But they did that with First Class a little bit. Right, where, right. So it's really, hey, I wouldn't, I'm glad I don't have to decide how the X-Men I don't know if it's a good problem. They have, they're expected to use these characters, you know, obviously Marvel, Disney bought Fox Studios and they're expecting to make a turn on that investment. They're expecting to, to get money back on the X-Men, but how do you use the X-Men? You're forced to use the X-Men in your MCU eventually. Right. But how do you do it without messing up your very stable, very- Cash um, cow. Yeah, your cash cow without screwing it up. Because I feel like that you've you've reached um, a level where it might collapse on itself if you try to add too much too soon that doesn't really mesh with the MCU as it, exi- as it exists. So I think some time is going to need to pass before the mutants, before you hear the word mutant <laughs> in the MCU. I think yeah. adding in the Fantastic Four, I think that's fine. I think if you said it in the 60s, it's... Well, totally, because it's science. It's and- science. If you make it completely different, you have yeah. a fresh, poppy type of... That you do it right. I think you could do that. I think you can have that be part of phase four, the Fantastic Four. But I'm, I'm very wary of what they're going to do with the mutants well, and the X Men going say, forward. What's his name? The time traveler from Star, um, from Spider Man Home. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Jindalhaw. Yeah. who as Jakey. Jakey. Mysterio. He says he's from a parallel Earth in the trailer. Right. For Homecoming. So that, that might be a red herring. But we'll see. We'll see. As you say, I, I'm sure. I'm sure they're gonna play off it somehow. Right. So I'm actually curious if this is an isolated incident with X Men Dark Phoenix. As I uh, is is I uh, my 
hypothesis is that it is. If how the next Spider-Man film, Far From Home, is going to do. Because I hate hearing this continue. Anytime there's a there's a failure with a superhero film, you just go, oh, it's, you know, you hear the mainstream um, news reported as uh, superhero fatigue. I really, I wonder. All if, right. I think this is an isolated yeah. incident, but I think this will, it should be actually something you can really should pay attention to with how far from home Spider-Man does if superhero fatigue is a real thing. I think this is an isolated incident. I think that there were so many factors that came into, into, yeah. into being them that made dark Phoenix not work. But superhero fatigue is not it, it, superhero fatigue is not something where it's like, Oh, we're tired of superheroes because you always have superheroes. I mean, right. any, anytime you have, you know, like the, the classic stories of, mm-hmm. you know, man versus man, woman versus man, etc. That's, that's just a story trope, right? Mm-hmm. So that story trope will always have fatigue. But I mean, I, I don't think you'll have. I don't. I don't think it is a matter of superhero fatigue as much as it is repetition of story pattern. Right. Like if you if you have Marvel didn't have story pattern repetition, so that's why they didn't have fatigue. Whereas if and so if you're able to keep that human element versus the story element in, I think I think that that will just. Well, I think actually it might be a good thing for the short term that Fox is getting out of the superhero movie making game, because I think the MCU does a great job. I think that you have Wonder Woman that is right now being well received. People like that there is another Wonder Woman movie coming out. We just saw a, a teaser poster. Did you see that thing? Very, uh, yeah. very stylized uh, with Wonder Woman um, 1984 coming out. That looks great. So, and Shazam was well received. But another big studio like Fox just churning out crap, I think just makes it more difficult because people go, oh man, I just saw the X-Men film and it was garbage. I think I'm souring on uh, superhero movies. They make too many of these superhero movies. Right. You know, if I'm just a common person, a common moviegoer, where, so maybe one of the big studios getting out of the game and freeing up um, the 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 landscape for the, the films that remain, the MCU, the good DC films they're putting out. So I think get Fox getting out of the business of making superhero <laughs> films for a while, um, giving time for the MCU disney marvel to decide okay what are we gonna how are we gonna integrate these x-men into our universe and make good films i think actually in the short term it's good that fox is getting It'll out of the superhero Absolutely. movie because it, it clears up the schedule a little bit because right now as it stands you have disney marvel the mcu upping their clip of movies they're releasing a year it used to be like two now it's kind of they're upping it to like three four mcu films a year and if you had that and you had Fox Studios doing films alongside that. That's a lot of superhero films coming out per year that you're forced to see or not see. So the fact that one of them's getting out of the game while the MCU's Very upping uh, out, uh, their their production at this point as far as films that they're making per year, I think that works. I think that works. So I think that that helps the things stay in balance as far as <laughs> su- the superhero movie it's genre. All about balance. But uh, real quick, we talked about the X-Men, the animated series. Uh, how much did you watch the animated X-Men series in the 90s? I watched probably a good two years worth. Right, right. I'm gonna, I'm it gonna was say, always on. It was always on when we grew up. It was, yeah, it was Saturday it was mornings. Yeah. The theme music. Yep. The theme music, which is... Uh, I remember Gambit. That was, that was, was, he was He was just amazing. Him and yeah. Rogue, I 
fantastic like characters right. as kids. In the animated series, brought characters like that into the forefront. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't know who Gambit was no. if it weren't for the animated series. Uh, they, you know, Rogue obviously she was a main character in the animated series. That you know, maybe an understated one in the comics. Jubilee. Oh yeah, Jubilee was, Jubilee was an original was character big. for yep. the anime for the animated series, yep. and she has since been folded into the comics, so she's part of continuity now. But there is talk now that the creators, uh, Larry Houston, who is an artist on X Men, he is he's getting ready to approach Disney for a pitch to bring back the animated series. They're always looking for money. They're always looking for money to make a pitch <laughs> to, creative. to have Disney Ugh. bring back that animated series in the nineties and yeah. have it continue where they left off. And I don't know where they left off. <laughs> I mean, I, I could, I'd say I, I don't have a clue on story. I just remember characters, right. but no, I mean, I, and it would work. It would work as long as they were like, Hey, we're going to do the, you know, right. let's use this as a launch for, um, that Disney app. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. That's a good idea because one thing, because there's been this odd relationship with Disney and Fox in the recent past, because since Disney, the MCU, they didn't own the X-Men characters, the Fox characters, they didn't, you weren't seeing, you weren't seeing an X-Men animated series. Right. You haven't seen like an X-Men animated series, much marketing, much, uh, many toys because Marvel really did some, they just were on, they were uneasy about doing, for whatever reason, about doing like an X-Men animated series recently because they thought that somehow Fox would benefit from that. The thing that I like the most of this is that if they're going to do an animated series, Mm -hmm. it means that Marvel is giving them license to, or yeah, if, if they do it, it means that there will be an opportunity for a Lego X-Men sure. show because that they, they oh, do that definitely, with the Avengers. Definitely. And on if that means that there's going to be a show, then there will be Lego sets. Yeah, I, so I think it's great. I think this would be a, a good reintroduction if you're going to be bringing back X-Men now that the that Disney owns these characters again. If you're going to be doing, an, and, and the embargo's finished, we are finally going to uh, put the X-Men on, you know, we're going to make cartoon series for them. We're going to put them out there. We're, we're, we're stopping the embargo on an X- X-Men animated series. This would be a good reintroduction to the characters because you have an, a lot of nostalgia for that 90s property. Right. You have the ability to kind of pick up, um, again, from a, a lived-in universe. And you have people who know these characters um, because they, they were involved in this project in the nineties and you have a, a, already a built in audience and you already, it shows you've shown proof of product that uh concept rather that this worked in the nineties. Right. So you're like, well, is this going to, is this going to, uh, is this going to appeal to anyone? If we do a new X-Men animated series, you already know this one does. So mm-hmm. I'm curious. I mean, it might fail, but at least I think it is a good first swing to maybe consider bringing back the, I think this, if, if you're going to do, and I think they eventually will do an X-Men animated series, they haven't done one in like 10 years. Right. Exactly. They haven't done one in a long time. Uh, so I think this would be a first, uh, good first swing. Um, even though I think it was very much at a, it was a Saturday morning cartoon. So you're going to have to make it. Do you keep it as an animated series, uh, directed at eight year olds? Or do you mature it up a little bit? Because you know that your audience that enjoyed the series no, in the no, 90s, it has to, it has to be they've grown up. No, it has to be geared to an eight. You can't, you, you can't age it up, even though no, like, no, people who are then, watching it are turn not it into, You could do standalones like yeah. DC does, where they're adult cartoons or anime, but you can't, mm-hmm. you can't do a... 
You can't do a cartoon TV series. I mean, the the closest thing is going to be like uh, Star Wars, mm-hmm. where Star Wars does the Clone Wars and um, what, okay. Rogue and other stuff like that. They do they do an awesome job, but that's still on the teen level. That's not on right. the eight. I would say you have to age it up a little bit. I think right. age it up uh, similar to how Star Wars, when George Lucas did the original trilogy, it mm-hmm. was, the the movies were PG. And then the, the last prequel was PG-13. And since then, since they've reintroduced with Force Awakens, all the films that have, have come out from Star Wars have been rated PG-13. Uh, slightly more mature uh, concepts. And I think you should maybe do that with this one. Yeah. Where right. it's not full on, you know, X-Men kicking each other in the, in the face and, and <laughs> you know, just stabbing people and, and pulling no, out And you, uh, you definitely need that and, sexual tension between yeah. some of the characters. But don't go full stuff. on, but maybe have it be, you know, like 13 year old your target demographic is 13 year olds or so right not eight year olds it's not saturday morning cartoon <laughs> this is more snick late nights nickelodeon oh or, yeah oh yeah snick so mm. yeah the, the series ran from um 92 to 97 and 76 episodes it'd be cool to come back there's always disney xd which kind of keys on on that 13 year old demogra- demographic not quite eight year olds mm-hmm. so i think bringing it back to like a disney xd service or something like that uh or they're Disney Plus service. Again, you have so much you can put on that service, that digital uh, streaming service, Disney Plus, that they're about to launch. It is overwhelming the amount of content. I wonder how much content is going to be available on day one for Disney Plus. Oh, I know. It's going to be crazy. Uh, the, the original content they're they're making, how much their back catalog, the vault has been wide open, Bambi is just <laughs> prancing along. Just ready to run out. It's It's been announced that disney plus is only like six is going to be seven dollars yeah that so that's really great value uh, i'm excited my wife is even like maybe we should get disney plus and she is against the idea of adding more uh costs to our regular monthly bills yep but it seems like such a good value that uh my wife who is a just kind of middle of the road interest as far as superheroes and things like that streaming services she's even interested so i, I think this service is going to do really well something to entertain the children the children yes <laughs> and there's something about pasting having the ability to it's similar to this uh taking something from your childhood and, and passing it on to the next oh, yeah. generation Absolutely. so i'd love the ability to to pass on x-men the animated series of 1992 and give that to the next generation <laughs> i just can't wait for gravity falls That's what's all with the big shoulders why does everyone have big shoulder pads and what's with the, the tiny waist and you gotta feet. so do you keep if you continue it does the story continue in the 90s? It has to, right? You can't Absolutely. modernize the the overall look. And well, I'd say, especially if you're going to, um, you know, have that have that ability to go back and see the other ones. Right. That's true. How much are you going to, you have to be very, I think, wary of what you do with the animation style. Uh, I think people would expect it to look a lot like the night, but obviously the animation style from the 90s one, I think you have to polish it up a little bit, especially yeah. for HD. But I don't think you can do too much. It has to still look. It has to have the same aesthetics right. of the 1992 animated series. That's so. That's tricky. That's this tricky. How do you balance balancing <laughs> board that you are on? Uh, so it, I'm curious to see where this goes. I think ultimately nowhere. I think obviously, <laughs> I th- it's an interesting I story. I can see that. I th- it's an interesting story, but I think Disney they are going to eventually do an animated series. It is not going to be this one. At least not right away. That is my feeling. So that uh, that's interesting. Something to keep out for, look out for. Speaking of animated series, Batman and the Ninja Turtles have just released <gasps> mm. a team up 
on uh, straight to VHS. Right. I uh, have my VHS player. I'm getting the cookies that my son has inserted in the side of it, clearing those out, getting the crumbs out, and, and inserting the straight to DVD I'm getting, VHS. I'm getting the cleaners for the heads. That's yeah. right. That's mm-hmm. always very important. It's a cool mashup because you have Batman who is ostensibly a ninja. Yeah. Battling, yeah. teaming up with other ninjas. The foot. That's a formidable, formidable foe for Ninja Batman. versus Ninja, Mer- Ninja versus Ninja. I think it's actually a, a good collabor. I think it's a good collaborative type of uh, world that they put in these properties together. I think no, that works very much. So, and it sounds, it sounds, or at least the storyline sounds mm-hmm. a lot less um, money grabby. Like right. it, it was somebody that says, "Hey, this this could actually be a fun story, and and it would sell." Versus, you know what? We need to make money. Here's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it looks like because it's a straight to DVD type of video, it, it looks like they put a lot into it as far as the animation yeah. uh, budget. I saw a short video clip where Batman battles Shredder. They have a oh, really? one-on-one yeah. uh, confrontation, and the animation style is very fluid. the The battle looked really, really great, and yeah, it's amazing how well Batman fits into this universe. Because if you just mature it up a little bit, right? Uh, this, the turtles fight against this this ninja force. Batman's perfect with this because he's able to go toe to toe with ninjas, and right. Shredder is like really cool. He's from, so I think that I'm I might pick this up and might show this to my son. He likes Batman and the Ninja Turtles. Although his uh, his uh, his key uh, touchstone with the Ninja Turtles is the 1990s arcade game which i have oh, in yeah, an emulator yeah. he loves that one <laughs> he's not seen any of the ninja turtles he tried watching the the 2008 movie that was released okay and he was a little interested in it but i think he likes the the arcade version what, what about the 2010s um no tv okay. no and i refuse to show those to him i think they're <laughs> abominations i don't um uh, you know because it, because adults or content or because of what they just look stupid the All character right. design just looks not I just don't, I don't like it. It's not, it's not like it's not what I grew up with, man. I'm I don't accept it. Don't look at it. Don't I, look at it. I don't accept it. So that's so that's uh, something to definitely look out for. Maybe on a streaming service near you. And speaking of streaming services, DC DC Universe they have their own streaming services that they've. Uh, oh yeah. They, it's on the rails. You have a number of Doom Patrol, which has been well received. I I don't have the service yet, but it sounds like season one of Doom Patrol went off without a hitch. People liked it. And you have all the rest of the DC Warner Brothers back catalog on this network. Although there is there is but there is trouble in paradise. Uh, Warner Brothers wants to start a they have a parent company uh, and they want to do something even bigger than this DC Universe thing. They want to take their Warner Brother properties off of it to make even a larger streaming service to really go toe to toe with a Disney Plus. They think that making it. DC Comics based and having that be sort of the uh, sort of the, the the billboard on this streaming service, they think that they're leaving money on the table. So Warner Brothers actually might pull their content off and just leave the superhero stuff on eventually. That's what I'm kind of hearing. Yeah. So they've got that going on. And then you have, of course, the story coming out that Swamp Thing, which is something that was previewed as being part of this an original series uh, superhero character for this network is being canceled after season one. It's 10 episodes, and they aired the first one. They're, they're re- the remaining 10 will still continue, will still air, but after the first episode aired, and it's a weekly, it's not like Netflix where they drop all the episodes at once. It's a thing where weekly they release a new episode. They did the first episode, and they announced that this is a series that they're canceling after season one, <laughs> and there have been conflicting reports because apparently the first episode's fine. 
It's absolutely fine. I'll just say they, they they've gotten really good reviews on the first episode. I thought, yeah, They're like yeah, this do it. is a property that I think people like. Uh, if you have any reference for the comic book series, which I do, I've, I've read a number of recent runs over DC with Swamp Thing that I've really enjoyed it's when they set it. And I think he mostly is in Louisiana in the bayou. Right. Uh, it's kind of like this Southern Gothic. Everything's real hot and swampy. And I think that's really cool. Um, it was something I was interested in taking a look at. And I think a lot of people were similar to me in that regard. Swamp Thing is also a character that has not been oversaturated. So I think you you could, if you do him right, people would really gravitate to that property and they're canceling it after season one. And there's a lot of conflicting reports coming out as far as the reasons why. And we do not to this point have a clear answer. DC has put out an official statement saying that they can't speak on it at this time, but you know, we're, we're still, um, we still pursue great original content and, and look out for things to come, but we cannot tell you why we canceled it. And there's rumors saying that the reason they canceled it is because they are getting some type of tax credit from new uh, North Carolina yep. where they, where they filmed it. And that tax credit, someone didn't file a, some paperwork properly and the money they're supposed to get or whatever Which didn't is, go yeah. through. Total BS. Cause I feel like that's, that's a, Paperwork is a political move. Like, right. okay, so we didn't file the paperwork. We'll pay a, you know, you'll get like 90% and we'll we'll do a little fine. And next time we're going to make sure. Like, I cannot believe a state who's trying to compete against Georgia, especially because so many, um, after the, the abortion bill was mm-hmm. passed, so many production companies pulled out of Georgia and now they're right. looking for new homes. And yes. Carolina wanted to pull, you know, wanted to grab some of that money and they, yeah you wouldn't want to miss out on you know people studios wanting to film things in your exactly. state you would make this work it, so there, there's been official statements and it's been very weird as far as these, these responses for example here's a quote from an official statement put out by dc uh, some spokesman from dc we appreciate there are questions as to why but unfortunately as far as the cancellation of the series but unfortunately we are not in the position to answer at this time it's a really weird statement to put out there. That is that, how and, complicated can this be? <laughs> well, and that's what I mean. Like, I, I I'm kind of curious if the, I, it has to be that it is a political thing. Something mm-hmm. went wrong, and DC is trying to recoup, and um, the state, the state in its infinite wisdom, released a statement far too early. It was like or you know whatnot yeah i guess so there's been a lot of misinformation they're saying as far as north carolina and and tax things and north carolina a spokesman for the for the county state of north carolina you know whatever county or state that they filmed in uh came out and said no this has nothing to do with the the taxation office this has had nothing to do with uh uh anything on our end as having affected this uh and continuing that statement from dc uh this comes from Applejack, who I guess is a moderator in a community um, on the internet, uh, Watchtower community, uh, via moderator Applejack in the Watchtower community, uh, which has something to do with the DC Universe. So the DC Universe's website, they have like a, a like a message board. So a continuation of his uh, of his statement is that's all the information I have to share at this time. Now that you have the goods. First of all, I don't have the goods. I don't. Have, <laughs> you've given me no goods. Right? Uh, we'll be going back through the threads and removing the false rumors and speculation that this choice means DC or any 
of our other original contact series were affected. So he, their con- concern, their primary concern is how does this affect the rest of the original content they're putting out there? And they're yeah, how not does- addressing why this series. It's just, I don't care, I guess. It's not a series I'm watching. It's just really weird. Why wouldn't you just come out and say, hey, we're canceling it and give me some bullshit answer, but at least something yeah, plausible. Yeah, well, it cost too much. Oh, we, the numbers right. didn't work out. The, you know, the actors we had issues with. Something. Something. Give me I something mean, plausible. It's not, you cannot come out and say, hey, this is all the information I have at this time, and that is no information. And the mere the mere fact that, you know, here it is, they, they launched this new service. They put mm-hmm. so much money into it. They're now running a 20% discount on, yes. um, on signing up for DC Universe for if you pay for one year in advance, which mm-hmm. tells me that they're worried about month to month. Oh, sure. Like people are going to drop it after, you know, right. seeing after one or two oh, months. So you have to commit for a whole year. They're trying to get people to commit for a whole you, year. You, get, you yeah. get a 20% discount if you purchase the entire year. That's, I think that's something where that's a tactic that, right, you're worried about people coming back from month to month. I know the, my uh, touchstone is the WWE network. Mm-hmm. Originally, they wanted people to sign up for the year, but then they stopped doing that. They, cause there's, it hurts, I think overall, if you're trying to tie people for a full year. And also it, oh, yeah. it speaks to like, man, we need to try to squeeze as much money out of people on a short term yeah. as, we, as we possible. We need a contract. You we need, need a contract. So they changed their, their approach on that. So the fact that, and that was in the early days of these streaming services, so they've learned from that. But the fact that DC is trying to do that now. They still aren't learning. Yeah, they're either, they know that they're in trouble as far as trying to retain, you know, subscribers, or I don't know, it's weird. So I'm curious to see how far this service is going to go. The you know you already have weird cancellations, enigmatic uh, cancellations of properties that people were interested in. And mind you, mind you, this is what they they launched with three primaries. Yeah. It was Doom Patrol, it was Young Justice, right. and then it was Swamp Thing. And now they've canceled it. I mean, so that That's that means right. that they lose thirty three percent of the content that people were banking on in order yeah. to start their That's process. Right. And it's not enough of uh, having the back catalog of every Batman movie that exists. or twenty thousand comics. It's not enough. It's not enough. I think you need. I think the driving force, if you look at Hulu, Netflix, original content is yeah. what keeps people going back. WWE Network again, and going back to that, you have their entire back catalog of pay per view events. But people primarily are watching the live stuff, the original new stuff. They're not going back and watching as much as it's cool that it's there. You aren't getting people who are signing up month to month to go and, and review your back catalog. So, yeah, the the original content is the lifeblood. And the fact that you're canceling one. Right. And I I, I don't see why. I mean, again, you have none. <laughs> Netflix, Netflix, the reason Netflix has so much original content mm-hmm. is because they partner with places around the world, whereas Hulu right. is only the U.S. because it was a Fox property. Um, I have no idea what's going to happen with it now that, you know, Disney owns it. But it's, you know, they they only did the U.S., which is why they have a limited release on originals. I think they only have like four or five a year, you know, whereas Netflix has like almost 100. And it's because they partner with people around the world or nations around the world in order to release content. Right. So it's uh, something definitely to follow close uh, as we as we either watch the the slow uh, steady decline of the DC Universe streaming app. Uh, This is the first sign that things are sort of really being mismanaged over there. It's weird. It's a weird story. I don't care because I don't have it. (laughs) But I like the swamp thing character 
And yeah. the, the no answer is more interesting than anything, I think. The fact that they have declined comment on something that you shouldn't decline comment on. I think it's something that you don't... You're, they're creating a controversy where they don't have to. Right. So it's weird. It's a weird story. Uh, last thing we'll leave you on with uh, today here on Super Friends 178, Super Friends Super Show, Ghostbusters 3 is apparently definitely... Finally. ...in the works. Uh, Jason Reitman, who is the son of Egon from the original... Irving Wrighton. Irving Wrighton. Irvin. Irvin. I, I thank you for for saving me there. I couldn't think of his, his first name. <laughs> so I just went to his character's name from the, the Ghostbusters series. His son is penning, and I don't I don't know if he is directing this film, but he is creating the script for Ghostbusters three. They've already released about six months ago. They they had a little teaser that they released that it's moving forward. Now Sigourney Weaver, who as many people know, were, was in the first two. 1980s Ghostbuster films essentially essentially coming out and saying that everyone's back on board uh she has said it's going to be crazy working with the guys again uh she came out and said in an interview uh regarding uh, that she did with Parade magazine uh Adam you have a subscription uh, I do. Uh, right after this we are doing our Parade podcast where we break down every single individual page of Parade magazine so we'll get to that story in more detail but we uh, often do it in a parade we do it in a parade so those episodes don't go up consistently we record right. them but usually they get trampled on but yeah most As of the time it's live most of the time it's live and yeah. the, the the footage is lost um but we like to keep it in a parade we have a concept we have a gimmick and we're sticking to it what, what was i talking about so sigourney weaver has all but said that this is happening that the script is the script has been finished everyone has read the script it sounds like everyone's on board everyone is 80 years old <laughs> i say it's, it's only 35 years later you know uh, so there's a, there's a lot. So right now Sony is refusing comment uh, at this time as far as confirming that everyone is on board. But it sounds like we're at least moving forward. Jason Reitman has put out on social media working on a little surprise for this Saturday's Ghostbuster Fan Fest. Uh, see you on the lot. And so that was as of June 4th. That was, that was last week. So there's surprises coming forth. There hasn't been anything officially announced yet. As far as everyone being on stage saying, Hey, we're all back. There has been Sigourney's Weaver's comments and maybe they're being misconstrued, but it sounds like things are really moving forward. It's really, but what is the end game there? Well, you have, if everyone is back on board, you have like these out of shape. (laughs) Yeah, but I think, no, no, I, I, because if you look at the casting on Ghostbusters three, they're Mm -hmm. also throwing in the, the Ghostbusters, the, the female version. Right. So, so what I think. Oh, are they? Are are they actually tying that in? Well, that's, that's the rumor. Hmm. I don't, I don't know if it's true, but I'm kind of curious because I know, um, so the, the one with Melissa McCartney, that was produced by Ghost Corp, which was Dan Aykroyd. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was trying to revive the whole thing and turn it into like this giant franchise shared universe, so on and so forth, and trying to do multiple different things that you could sell with it. Problem is, is that the movie didn't do well enough for it to have a sequel as well as TV series and so on, just like the original one. The original one had a TV series, a movie, you know, toy line, all this other stuff made oodles of money. So he he was like, all right, I own the property. Let's let's try to restart this and resuscitate mm-hmm. it. So I there's a part of me that wonders if he's doing Ghostbusters 3 to lend credibility to the Melissa McCartney one so that so that he can, you know, keep Ghostbuster Corp alive as a production company and start franchising it again. And so he's like, all right, how do we do this? Well, we need to give them the three and and then branch off of the third one. Well, I think this is going to be very similar to 
Force Awakens as far as how they handle this. I think <laughs> with I wonder the the Ghostbusters uh, film that they uh, Judd, not is it Judd Apatow? What's the name of what was the name of the director who did? I think it was Judd. I don't know. Honestly. Not Judd Apatow. Uh, the other guy uh, who did the uh, who directed. Oh, um, not Figus. Um, but. Was it he did the, who did Bridesmaid? Oh, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm gonna cut all this part out. But the 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 all female Ghostbusters film that they released, Dan Aykroyd has come out and he's made some very public comments that he did not enjoy the film. The director has is not welcome back to the, the set any at any time. And they're moving on. So it sounds like they they might be going in a different direction. I'd be it would be good to see if you if they, if they would actually tie those characters back into this in some fashion. But as it stands right now, and obviously the script has not been leaked officially anywhere, but the story for Reitman's script is said to follow up on a single mother, Carrie Coon, and her son, Finn Wolfhard. So I'm not sure how this is going to tie into the original cast at all, but I think it's going to be very similar to The Force Awakens, where you have a new set of characters, and you have the old ones kind of come back in, you know, featured roles, but they are working, even though they they work as the the gravity, the center for the, the story, the whole intention is to somehow spin this off and get the new younger characters to be the future while still having the backing of the older right. characters. Um, you have to have the young legs. The passing do, of the torch. <laughs> the passing of the torch. And that's always tough to do. But Look at Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, that's right. With Right, exactly. And that one failed. That one failed. They don't always work. So, But I think people want this movie more than the all-female Ghostbusters film. I think, you know, I don't, I, I don't, actually, I don't mean that. I think they wanted something set in the Ghostbusters universe. They wanted yes, the continuation. I, yeah. Whether or not it was all-female, I think, has nothing to do with it. They wanted the continuation of that universe. Right. And Instead of yes. having cameos yes. from the original cast, yes. you had, like, Dan Aykroyd as a as a cab driver yep. who wasn't playing his original character. And then you had Bill Murray getting thrown out a window in a laughable way. You want, I didn't like the movie that much, but I, I think they were right for making it, but it needed to be tied into their big folly. Their big mistake was not tying it into the original franchise in that timeline. This one will be is from all from all sounds it sounds like it's definitely going to be uh, i think you can all but say that it's apparently the script is a love letter from what i've read to the original fans the original series Good. so they're trying to set it right it's just a shame that the the all-female one is now going to be i think disregarded as this oh yeah it'll be relegated yeah it'll be relegated to, into non-existence essentially as you go forward so they're going to pretend that they're, it's sad they're going to have to pretend that one didn't happen that's right. the way they're that's the way they're approaching this is I think it would be good if they did tie in those characters, but I don't think they're going to, and it's sad because yeah. I think an all-female Ghostbusters team I think is a great approach. I think their their overall execution was just poor. No, and then I think I think they also approached it in a gimmicky way rather than mm-hmm. a legitimate story way. Yeah, I think all the mistakes that uh, they made so many mistakes with that film. They had like um, misdemeanor. Uh, what was her name? Missy Elliott doing like a really weird remix of the Ghostbusters song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. wrong. They just, the packaging was completely off and the fact <laughs> that they didn't, they didn't connect it to the original cast and the original timeline. I think it was a huge mistake. But things to look forward to in the days, weeks ahead, I'm excited about. I, I hope we can 
we've cleansed your palate, our palate. Now the X-Men is out of our system. We puked up the Dark Phoenix <laughs> and we're getting ready for what awaits us in July with Spider-Man Far From Home, which looks awesome. Let's get exci- let's let's put the crap behind us and get excited about movies that actually will be good. Because as- we are not fatigued. Uh, we are not fatigued. We're ready. We're back for action. The it's the road to Super Friend Super Show two hundred. <laughs> at this point, it's one seventy eight. Well, uh, so I've been Sean Dewar at SeanDewar dot com as you can find me on Twitter. Uh, Adam Patterson at Adam R. Patterson on Twitter. Adam, uh, what have you been up to recently? What kind of things, nerdy things that don't apply? Other category, miscellaneous. (laughs) The miscellaneous. I've been reading the Magicians trilogy based off of the Magicians TV. Or not based off of the the source material for the uh, Magicians TV show on sci-fi. And the books are awesome. Okay. They are they're they're actually a lot better than I was expecting. Usually, usually they're vastly different, and there's there's enough differences to make it its own. You know, like the TV series and the book, they they share some of it, but for the most part, they're their own thing. They're awesome. No, they're fantastic. That's what I'm. That's what I'm into. It's interesting. I just finished a a book, which is the first of. I assume it's going to be a trilogy eventually, but the the author is V. E. Schwab. Have okay. you heard of her? No. Uh, the first book she did is called uh, Vicious. It is a superhero um, franchise book that she's doing, and it's 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 well done, uh, and I like it. And there's the, the follow up. The sequel is out there. It's called Vengeful, okay. and it continues continues with the characters. It's really it's cool. But she has another series called The Darker Side, A Darker Side of Magic. Okay. So it has to do with magicians, uh, parallel. Um, universes earths uh, taking place in england i think you'd really dig it all right from all everything right. i've read about it i'm down it's called a darker shade of magic uh ve schwab i've gotten into her recently i just got a new kindle i'm very excited Look about it you. having a chance to read books i had a nook but you could only buy you could only kind of get books on the nook from the nook store and i find that the nook store the the website is is difficult a little bit it's a little dated uh, whereas the Kindle, you're able to use Amazon.com. You're able to, I'm able to, for whatever reason, I could not uh, borrow books easily from the public library and digital books for oh, yeah, my, yep. my Nook. And now I'm with the, with the, with the click of a button, I'm able to get a book from the public library and rent it, borrow it to my Kindles. So I'm very <laughs> excited. So, and also I got Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, for my birthday. Nice. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, I haven't opened the plastic. I don't know. Nice? I don't know. It's, I, I love the original. I think, the original was really good. Hoping, hoping that they continue on with it. Uh, I mean... They just waited too long for I Kingdom know. Hearts 3. So I will uh, let you know, uh, know in our next episode if I've opened the plastic, if I've opened the case, okay, okay. and if I've played it and what I think about it. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 is a mixed bag, and they've had a number of kingdom hearts spinoffs that have taken place in the years since they've made kingdom hearts 2 which was in like 2007 Mm -hmm. and they've made a number of side stories and i don't know if like i have one of the side stories for the playstation 3 and i'm halfway through it like god do i have to finish it to understand what's going on (laughs) should i finish it i might finish it so i might so by the next episode i might not have started kingdom hearts 3 uh end of story but super friend super show at new super podcast is where you can find us updates about the podcast uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. They're um, they're revamping. They're dropping iTunes. Yep. 
they're breaking making into things, three. Breaking into three, making having a devoted podcast program for Mac, and making the if you decide to listen to the show, subscribe to the show on just your browser, you're able to do that more easily now, as opposed to the only way if you're on your browser and you're trying to listen to our show, and you 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 have to launch iTunes if you're on a mm-hmm. if you're on a Windows computer, where if you're on your phone and you tr- you try to look us up on your phone, it brings you within the podcast app if you're on your iPhone which is a little a little, a little awkward but if you're on your browser it was you had to load up iTunes yeah. now they're changing that you can actually play the episodes from within the browser yourself you don't have to launch iTunes if you're trying to listen to the Super Friends Super Show on our Apple podcast feed on iTunes you don't have to you don't have to launch iTunes anymore you can listen right on your browser or subscribe on your phone which you should have by now all right uh, that does it for us Adam thank you for joining us once again and join us again next time for Super Friends Super Show 179 Super Friends Super Show away